a lot of people just think about her weaknesses and don't play her because of that but she has some really nice uh strengths one of them is her objective control her w gives her max hp damage and attack speed which makes it really really easy to take objectives like dragons rifts and barons and i i see players not fully utilize her kit in that sense that's one of the things that helped me climb to challenger was pretty much every game the moment a dragon or rift was on the board i would be contesting it in one way or another and i see a lot of low elo players not do that Welcome to Challenger Insights, where we dive into the minds of the best League of Legends players to figure out how they think about the game. I'm your host, Lucas, and today I'm joined by Dumpa. Dumpa is a Challenger Vi main. He reached over 700 LP in Season 10, taking rank 150 on the leaderboard, making him the rank 1 Vi in NA. Dumpa, thank you for joining the podcast. Yo, what's up? So let's kick things off. Tell me, what has your journey up to Challenger been like? I started playing League in around Season 4. I started playing Ranked in Season 5, and I pretty much just main Vi for five seasons straight. Um, I knew from my first season that I was pretty good. I ended up uh, Platinum, which for my first season I was pretty excited. This was also, I was like in middle school at the time. So it was, uh, I was pretty happy about that. I picked up Vi because one of my uh, my girlfriend's my girlfriend my sister's boyfriend recommended her to me, and I've played her ever since. She has a a playstyle and a kit that kind of resonates with me. She is a very engage heavy champion with uh, with a lot of damage in her kit, and she's very very fun and easy to pick up. Um, climbing through the ranks was was very interesting for me. From gold to platinum, it wasn't too difficult. But it started getting a lot harder when I reached Diamond. Um, hitting Diamond in my second season was... There was a lot of pressure on me. Uh, because I felt like I was just younger than everyone else. And they had years and years of experience on me. But I decided that I would just figure out the ins and outs of Vi. And learn everything about her, really. And it was just... It just took a lot of grinding and a lot of patience. I'd always look at VODs and I'd always... Uh, watch pro play and it was super super nice to get different insights on the jungle and yeah it was just a lot of practice okay cool seems like you must have learned it pretty quickly um what kind of took you the longest to learn on vi the longest thing for vi was kind of understanding her as a champion right there's not a lot of people that play her in high elo so there's no guides to look at it's more or less you're going on your own feel and that kind of sucks right because you can't rely on anyone else other than yourself. So when I was in Diamond, it was super, super hard to grind out of that. Not only that, it was also a mentality issue that I had. I, I had a really bad mental going into League, and that kind of uh, that made the games really, really hard. But overall, it was uh, just not really knowing a lot about my champion and having to learn it all myself, because there's not a lot of Vi content creators. And the ones that are there aren't really, they don't really create a lot of insightful content. So it's, it's pretty rough. So why do you enjoy playing jungle specifically? So of course, like anyone in the league, I started off playing lane. For me, it was more or less, I kind of just hated playing lane. I remember being like grinding to level 30 and hating my life because I'm just getting like 
I'm getting ganked or I'm getting pressured out of lane by like poke champs and stuff like that. And I, I don't know, I just decided, well, they can't poke me if I'm in the jungle, right? So I just started playing and uh, it was also like the feeling of being able to impact the map and my like play actually like mattering in the end of the game. So that's why I love jungle. I played every day and I absolutely love the role. Awesome. And why does Vi work so well for you? What kind of makes your play style different? This is more or less just like a difference between a low elo Vi player and a high elo Vi player. A lot of it comes down to really understanding her kit and what her strengths are. A lot of people kind of just think about her weaknesses and don't play her because of that, but she has some really nice uh, strengths. One of them is her objective control. Uh, one of the things that I noticed that I, I do a lot of coaching uh, on my streams and stuff like that, and a lot of my uh, my viewers are in like silver or plat. A lot of them have big macro issues where they don't prioritize objectives enough. And for Vi specifically, her W gives her max HP damage and attack speed, which makes it really, really easy to take objectives like dragons, rifts, and barons. And I, I see players not fully utilize her kit in that sense. That's one of the things that helped me climb to Challenger was pretty much every game, the moment a dragon or rift was on the board, I would be contesting it in one way or another. And I see a lot of low elo players not do that. Interesting. So you talk about the strengths, but what are then some of the, the weaknesses of Vi and how do you mitigate those? A lot of the weaknesses that Vi has are the, like a lot of her strengths and weaknesses are just straight up her kit, the way she was designed. She's a very engage heavy champion with little disengage. So she is very dependent on landing Q, which, I mean, it's a skill shot, so it takes uh, mechanics, right? A lot of players aren't really that patient with her, with her Qs, and that's really bad, because a Vi Q makes or breaks her. Like, it's literally 80% of her kit. Everything relies on you landing that initial burst, or else any play that you go for is just not going to work. How do you get better at landing Qs? What worked out for me was... There's two different ways to look at ViQ. There is the zoning queue where you can use it like at the, the, the start of a fight. And then there is the, uh, the patient queue. So essentially, your queue has a very long um, animation. So when you're charging queue, the enemy starts to get scared. They start to like freak out. I recommend this for a lot of Vi players. When an enemy champion has some form of like dash or CC, you want to wait for them to use that before you use or even charge your Q. Uh, because it'll either cancel yours or they'll just dodge your Q. Let's say I'm ganking Illusion. Um, there's two ways to gank him. There's either your Q or your ulti. If he's strong enough to kill you, for the most part, you have to start with your ultimate. Because you're not going to land your Q on Illusion, right? Any champion with a dash, it's just not going to happen. If they play it properly you're screwed. And that, that's a lot of players don't realize that. You need to put yourself in positions that you're going to win based off of your play, not based off of your enemy play. So you're pretty much putting everything in your favor. In scenarios like that, you would ulti Lucian from the start, or you would charge your Q, walk on him until he uses his dash, and then you would react to his dash with your Q. Alright. What are some of the main combos that you need to know as Vi? So... There's not too many combos that you need to learn. The, the biggest combo that you have to know is Q auto E. It is Vi's bread and butter. It is everything that makes her a champion. It, is, it makes her engage extremely strong. 
learning how to QROE is very important. But another thing is auto attack resetting. This is I I even struggle with this. I see vods of myself playing, and I'm like, wow, I I actually keep messing up my auto attack resets. So what you want to do is weave in your E between each auto attack. When you have ulti, you would just do Q auto E ulti. Vi also works really, really well with flash because you can flash Q or even Q flash to redirect your hitbox. But again, it's all going to be Q auto attack E. Q auto attack E. And whenever you can, you want to use your ulti. She's a very straightforward champion and she's very easy to learn. So it's, it's really nice to learn these combos and pick her up. Like, when it comes to Vi mechanically, some mechanical tips I can give is with your Q, you want to be very patient. The, the longer you hold Q, the more pressure you're applying on the enemy. When it comes to her E, you just need to practice auto attack resetting. And her ult as well. I see a lot of players not utilizing her ult that well. When Vi uses her ultimate, she becomes invulnerable to, to crowd control, so she can't be CC'd. If you time your ulti correctly, you can go through pretty much every form of crowd control. And it's super, super nice to get that down. So understanding her ult timing as well. And when it comes to macro Vi, it's just understanding when to take dragons and rift heralds. It's knowing, okay, my laners have priority. That wave to shove in so my team can help me and the enemy team can't. And getting vision control is super important. Just having pink wards down on choke points or on objectives allowing you to solo them early is really, really vital to climbing with Vi. Interesting. All right. So as a jungler, all three lanes are constantly asking for your attention. How do you deal with that? Uh, you mute them all. <laughs> That's honestly the first thing that I do. Playing the, as a jungler, you're going to get a lot of pings. You're going to get a lot, of, a lot of flame throughout the game. And the thing that helped me the most was just muting my teammates. Um, that's the first start. But a lot of players aren't really keen to doing that. Um, you, you play for your win conditions, essentially. You want to play for laners that have priority. You want to play for champions that spike early, that can uh, help you influence the map and eventually end the game. So for the most part, I tend to stick to the bottom side of the map for 90% of my games because bot lane is very, very important as it is uh, the dragon lane, right? Vi is a really good champion at taking dragons, so you want to be prioritizing them as much as possible. So for the most part, I'm always playing for bot lane and mid lane to get that priority. Okay, cool. Um, what is something that you still find yourself struggling with? The biggest mistake for me, this isn't like a Vi mistake, this is more or less kind of a jungle mistake, is not understanding when to be farming or when to be ganking. That's like the biggest thing that I still struggle with, that I know a lot of junglers struggle with in lower elos. Having a good mix of farm and gank is extremely important to find. For Vi specifically, one of the factors for me that tells me when I should gank or when I shouldn't is my ultimate. If my ultimate is up, for the most part, I'm pressuring the map. If it's not, I'm going to be farming. I'm going to be looking for maybe um, some vision. But for the most part, you're always going to be forcing the map when you have your ultimate. Vi is a champion that... She's a level 6 champion. So she she requires her ultimate to make plays. She's not completely useless, but she's very reliant on her ult. So if your ult is up, you want to be pressuring the map. If it's not, unless you're extremely fed, you're going to be farming. All right. 
Let's talk a little bit about the runes. What's your preferred choice for runes on Vi? Vi can run a lot of runes. This is one of the things that's really nice about Vi, is that she can run most runes pretty easily. Her initial Q auto attack E combo procs most of the runes. I specifically love to run Hell of Blades. It is my favorite rune as it grants her a ton of attack speed. It synergizes extremely well with her engage and with her W. But you can also take Electrocute. Electrocute is another uh, viable option for Vi. It procs really, really easily off of her Q auto E. And for the most part with runes, you're going to be taking runes that either she can proc very quickly or give her damage. Because Vi, Vi needs damage. Her kit is 4 AD. Like, she has 4 damage scaling abilities. So you pretty much want to be bursting people. And that's why I love Hell of Blades and Electrocute. You can also opt for Phase Rush, which I have done here and there. But for the most part, I stick with Phase Rush when I'm going tank. And Conqueror is also a good choice if you're like super, super into Bruiser Vi or maybe even tank. Uh, but I do prefer going Domination Tree. Hello Blades and Electrocute are the better options for her. And how would you pick between these? Uh, it, it's all preference. So for Hello Blades and Electrocute, it is completely preference. A lot of Vi players are kind of split down the middle on which one's better. It kind of all goes down to preference, and that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, uh, how Vi works. And I kind of like that because she is very very split down the middle when it comes to a lot of things. Like, when it comes to Red Smite versus Blue Smite, it's very, very 50-50 because she utilizes them both very well. And it's the same thing with her runes and even most of her items. I have certain builds that run with certain items. So when I run Red Smite, for the most part, I like to max W second. That's another thing a lot of I players do differently is W versus E max. So W max gives you, gives you attack speed and passive damage over time. And Emax gives you burst. So a lot of it is kind of understanding what kind of build you're running. For the most part, if you're going W Max, you're going for a more bruiser tanky build. If you're going Emax, you're going for a more assassin burst build. Same thing is with Red Smite and Blue Smite. Blue Smite is more assassin. Red Smite is more bruiser. And then Hello Blades and Electrocute do the same thing, but in reality, it's just whichever one you're more comfortable with. Like there's actually no like huge distinction between the both of them. You can go whichever and you'll be fine. Awesome. So going into the game, what's the first thing you look at? I'm pretty much just looking at the champions and figuring out what my win condition is. I'm looking at who the enemy jungler is, and I'm looking at which lanes I can affect the most. So I like to categorize the enemy junglers into, can I beat this jungler early? Do I outscale this jungler? And do I beat this jungler in 1v1s? So champions like Olaf, Graves, and Hecarim are champs that I can't really fight early, but I can fight mid-game with my ultimate. Some champions like Evelyn or even Karthus are champs that I beat early and I can kill them or invade them pre-6. I'm also looking at which lanes can get me priority for early scuttle. So if I have a Lucian lane or I, if I have a very aggressive mid laner, I'm going to play towards those, um, towards those win lanes early. So I can get Scuttle Crabs and then eventually use that gold and EXP lead to get invades or other stuff on the map. All right. What options are there for your first clear? So there are three different types of clear that you can do on Vi that work really well. 
There is the opposite scuttle clear, which is the one I've been having the most success with. So essentially, you're going to full clear one side of your jungle, do the opposite buff, and then that scuttle. So you would be doing blue buff, gromp, wolves, red buff into scuttle crab. The reason I like this clear so much is that they made a lot of changes from season 10 to season 11 in the jungle, right? So single target camps are a lot harder to take because of the removal of Hunter's Machete. This means that you're going to get to your Scuttle Crab one or two camps slower. So this kind of makes up for that. This allows you to get to Scuttle Crab with double buffs, level 3, and you're as strong as you could be for this uh, this clear. It also puts you in a position to gank your, uh, your side lanes after Scuttle Crab. There is also the full clear, which is pretty standard. A lot of junglers do. You just full clear your jungle. This is really good into like champions like Graves or Olaf, champions you can't fight early. This is super, super nice and safe clear to do, but you do have to watch out for invades. That's why I don't full clear as much because for the most part, you will get punished, at least in the higher levels. And then there is the reverse clear. This is a clear I did last season, every single game in Challenger. This clear did get nerfed because of the removal of Hunter's Machete, but it was um, buff, buff, grump. So you would do red buff, blue buff, gromp. You would look for a top or a mid gank. If that's not available, you would do wolves, raptors, and then clear back to your bottom side. So it was a really solid clear because it allows you to gank your top, mid, and bot in the first three minutes of the game. But again, it did get nerfed from last season, so you take your camps a lot slower. I only really do this clear if I have extremely volatile side lanes. If my top and bot lane are extremely extremely uh volatile like if one person gets a lead they kind of snowball i'll do this clear occasionally okay so how do you approach scuttle crab scuttle gives a ton of golden exp you have to clear scuttle on your first clear pretty much no matter what vi is pretty good at taking scuttles but again you're only taking it if you have priority so for the most part i'm pathing i'm thinking in my head on my first clear which scuttle crab am I going to contest? Like, which lanes can I fight for? So that pretty much all goes down to understanding um, certain lane matchups. And I would highly recommend as a jungler, it is very important to learn lane matchups because you need to understand which lanes are going to naturally push and which are going to naturally get pushed in. Understanding that is going to allow you to make better route choices in your, your first clear. And it's super important because your first clear as a jungler is the most important clear. It's pretty much what's going to make or break the game for the most part. Interesting. So let's say that your first clear is kind of disrupted. Um, for example, you're just doing your first clear and you find out that your second buff is stolen. What do you do? You're going to have to vertical jungle. Um, a lot of that is very dependent on what enemy jungler you're against. But the way I tend to deal with this is if I can invade the enemy jungler and not get punished for it, I'll do it. If not, you have to take the loss in EXP and gold and force your way around the map. If you're in a position like that, you hit level 3 as soon as possible and you start forcing, um, forcing lanes. Because if the enemy jungler does that, they're forced into a vertical jungle which is going to allow you to take their jungle camps, or it's going to allow you to gank their laners while they're farming your jungle. So those are pretty much the two choices you have. All right. How do you choose where to gank? For the most part, that is 
based on my bot lane. Like 90% of my games, I'm playing around bot lane because of dragons and objectives. You want to be playing around the lanes that are going to give you priority for your objectives because dragon is extremely important on Vi. You can take it very, very early on and getting bot priority is extremely important for the first three minutes because I love to like reset and then um, steal dragon within the first like four or five minutes. Can you explain how you do that? Like what's your approach for that? So the way I approach, approach a dragon is, again, it's all matchup. You have to take the bot lane and mid lane matchups into consideration. Vi can take dragon at two points in the game early. She has to be level five or you're level four with a reset. Usually on your first reset, if you can afford a pink ward, you want to buy a pink ward. Because if you buy pinks, it gives you objective control, which allows you to safely take these objectives. You're also not really going to be doing dragon unless your flash is up. Because if worst case scenario happens where they catch you and they find you, you'll concede the dragon, but you won't die. Okay. What do you do if you can't really gank bot lane? What if it's a very safe bot lane and you can't really play around that? You would play around your top side. So I, I've had games like that where I have they have like a super safe Ezreal Yumi lane. Unless you can dive them, you're going to play around your top side. Even if it's a tank, but it sucks. You have games like that where you just don't have full priority, but let's say that the enemy lane is really safe. You can do two things. You can either dive them bot lane, or you can have your bot lane rotate and take the enemy jungle. Because if they're under tower farming, you can use that to get a map advantage and take enemy jungle camps. If that can't happen, let's say their enemy jungler is really ahead and you can't invade them, then you would just play for your top side. And then uh, also try to place vision down for bot lane because they're going to play aggressive. How do you decide whether you can dive bot lane? So diving bot lane comes down to... A lot of it comes down to champions. The support champion, to be sure. You're not really diving unless you're 6. But if you have a aftershock support, for the most part, you're going to be diving. Um, I don't recommend diving with enchanter supports. It's pretty hard. But if you have something like a Pantheon, like a Leona or a Nautilus, Aftershock supports are extremely good at dives because they are really tanky and they have very good crowd control and setup. So if you have a CC support, you're going to be playing for dives. If they don't have crowd control, you're pretty much going to be ignoring them and playing for another lane. So, okay. Um, are you looking for them to take turret aggro? Like, it's a very tense moment, right? The moment that you dive. Uh, how do you play it? Yeah. So your support's going to take aggro. Your support pretty much has to take aggro because he's the setup, right? Support CC abilities are a lot easier to land. And you're going to be pretty much out of vision. The moment that they stun someone, you're going to initiate with your Q on whoever got stunned. Even if the other person is a better target, whoever gets hit by the first CC, you have to engage on. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You just follow up on your support CC. It all goes down to who your support targets and they're, they're the ones who initiate it. You just have to follow them up. Okay. If that is not an option and you end up focusing on the top side, does that mean automatically that you'd give up the first dragon? So you can give up first dragon, but again, Vi takes dragons really quickly. She takes like 15, 20 seconds to take them. 
So if I can't play for bot side, I'll sneak bot dragon, at least the first one, and then just completely play for my top side. If you do happen to give up dragon, you have their entire top side jungle to farm. And you could also maybe set up dives with your with your top laner. Because a lot of dives also go down to mid priority. If you can get your mid laner to shove in a wave and roam around the map, roaming with your mid lane is extremely important, especially in solo queue. Mid lane's kind of like... The jungle and mid lane are very similar to the ADC and the support. They kind of work hand in hand. When you're in solo queue, you really need to communicate with your mid laner on when you should be diving, where you should be rotating around the map. Again, that's best case scenario. Sometimes you don't have that, and it's okay. But for the most part, you wanna you wanna always play around your mid and help them impact both top and bot lane. Okay. How do you play around your mid? Is there a way that you can help them? You have to help them set up waves. So that's another thing as a jungler. It's understanding wave management. It's not super, super important, because I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't learn wave management until I hit, like, Grandmasters. But for my push from GM to Challenger, it was all wave management. It was all understanding when my mid laner can move and when they couldn't, and also understanding their matchups. But for the most part in low elo, it's pretty much just... You're helping them shove out waves so that they can move around the map with you. So even even just hovering them and allowing your mid laner to safely push a wave and then rotate is extremely good for the team because you can start pressuring the map as soon as possible. Awesome. Um, how do you track the enemy jungler? There are only a, like a certain amount of clears that most junglers go for. So like champions like Hecarim and Olaf will full clear. So a lot of it goes down to understanding which is the camp that they start out with. So let's say the enemy bot lane shows late and the top laner shows early. That means they leashed bot lane, right? If they leash bot, it's 100% certain that they're going to path straight up. A lot of champions can't really reverse clear this season. So if they start on one side of the map, they're like 99% ending up on the other side of the map. It's also good to kind of understand what the other junglers can do, like champions like Olaf and Hecarim that can full clear. So let's say Olaf or Hex are blue, they would do blue, Gromp, Wolves, Raptors, Red, into Krugs. There's also junglers like Elise or Lee Sin that have to level 3 clear. So if they start blue, they would do blue, Gromp, Red, and then force a gank top or mid. You can track the enemy jungler based off of their champion. Their champion wants to do specific things because they can do those things quickly. And also pressing tab. If you press tab and you count the enemy jungler CS, you'll be able to, by process of elimination, figure out what they did. Um, because keep in mind, every camp you take is for CS. Okay. What about vision? Is it safe to get vision in the enemy jungle? Is, is that even a goal? Uh, for the most part, not really. I tend to stay away from the enemy jungle whenever I can. I'm only invading into the enemy jungle when I am extremely ahead or if I see them on the other side of the map. For the most part, you're dropping pink wards on early rifts and early drags because getting early vision on the enemy jungler is good, but getting vision on important objectives early is much better, especially for Vi, because you're not really going to be fighting the enemy jungler until you're level 6. Okay. So if you're trying to avoid fights, what about Scuttlecrab? If you meet the enemy there, do you ever fight them? That's a very um, lane-dependent kind of thing, right? If you have priority in your lanes, like let's say your lanes are shoving 
and there's really, really massive minion waves crashing on the enemy turrets, your team can rotate and then you can fight that. But a lot of the champions that are being played are really, really good at 1v1s, especially into Vi. So I'm conceding for the most part, I'm conceding scuttles unless I see my team rotating faster than theirs, then I would force a fight because we would be in a 1v2 and in turn we would win. All right. And then on Dragon, if that is contested, how do you handle it? Do you always just forfeit it or do you ever fight on that? So when you're doing drag, you're going to get chunked. Like Vi, she takes a lot of damage from dragons. Mountain Drag is the only dragon that pretty much does zero damage to you because it attacks so slowly and you can apply your passive every like five seconds. So if you're on a Mountain Drag, for the most part, you can fight. But if you're on like a wind or ocean or fire drag, they do a lot of damage. So what I do on Vi is you Q over the pit and then you drop a pink ward. And from that point onward, you're saving your Q. And if you have flash, you're using your flash. You're most likely going to concede it. The thing is, I've been doing sneaking drags for forever. And it is very rare that you ever get contested early. It is extremely rare. Like they'd have to have vision. Or, like, they would have had to path towards the dragon themselves, meaning they're playing, like, Shivana or something. But it is extremely rare that you do get contested early. But you have to be cautious, so you do... You pretty much never queue once you're doing dragon. You have to hold onto your queue because you don't want to burn your flash. So you're always saving your queue as an escape. When you say you're sneaking dragon, does that mean you're doing it the moment that it spawns? Yes. I like to try to position around dragon usually 30 seconds before it spawns if i can if not 30 seconds after there from what i've noticed there's kind of a sweet spot period where it's like 30 seconds before drag and 30 seconds after drag where no one kind of moves around the dragon pit it is completely dark and i've seen this in challenger games i've played full challenger games with professional players and it's i don't know why but it feels like it's a solo queue mentality they just ignore the dragon. They're like, oh, it's too early. She's not going to get it, but you can sneak it pretty early. So um, I try to reset and try to get my stats, try to get like long swords and pink swords to help me take the dragon as quickly as possible. Awesome. All right. Let's talk about items a bit. What are some of the first items that you buy? So since this is a new season, I've been experimenting with a lot of items. I'm pretty split between Eclipse and Divine Sunderer right now. A lot of people were kind of liking Triforce, and Triforce used to be Vi's, like, item, you know? And last season, Vi... Trinity Force was her best item, but now it's kind of split between Eclipse and Divine. When you're building Eclipse, for the most part, you're just building straight damage. Like, on Vi, your early items, it's just full damage. So, you're going to be buying... One of the best reset timers that I like when I'm going Eclipse is your Serrated Dirk. It's 1.1k gold. And it is just straight damage. 30 AD and lethality, and it's extremely good buy on her. If I'm going for Divine, I tend to go for Sheen and Longsword. But the premise is you're just focusing on straight damage. Like, your early game is just damage. That's all you want. If it gives you damage, you're buying it. Okay. When would you buy those Mythics? Is there a difference? Uh, not really, no. They both work extremely well into kind of any scenario. But if you want to get, like... Very, very specific. Eclipse is better into, like, assassin bruiser comps, and Divine is better into more bruiser tanky comps. But in my opinion, you can run Eclipse and Divine into any comp. They do do better in certain comps, but it's it's really just preference. 
That's again another thing about Vi's. A lot of people like to overthink her items and overthink her runes when she can honestly run everything. Well, anything that gives her damage, she can run. It all comes down to just playstyle. All right. What about the build paths after your mythic? If I'm running divine, I love to run like resistance boots into cleaver and sterics. I do think sterics third is probably one of her better items right now. And I do think Black Cleaver is an extremely good item on her this season. She can apply it very quickly, and she can get the carve damage out, which gives her a ton of sustain in 1v1s. When I'm running Eclipse, I, I have been running Yomus here and there, but it did get a pretty, pretty big nerf from last season. So I've kind of just stuck to Black Cleaver second. For most of my builds, I run Cleaver into Sterics. Because it just gives her so much HP and durability, and it's super, super nice. Another item that I have experience with, probably later into the build, is Stoneplate. I do think Stoneplate is a really nice 5th or 6th item. It's a massive shield, and it is a ton of resistances. So I run Stoneplate whenever I can. And for my last item, I pretty much always run Hydra. Because it gives her... The AoE is really nice, and the HP and damage works well. But if I'm not running Hydra, I'm probably running Chempunk because you need the Executioners. There's a lot of healing this season, so you're always going to be trying to itemize Chempunk whenever you can. Awesome. Are there any other situational items you could build on Vi? So another good one is Aegis. Like, a lot of people don't like Tank Vi, but I feel like it's actually a really good pick. You're only really building Sunfire Aegis. Like, let's say you lock in Vi and you have a very um, hyper carry team and you need a frontline, you're going to swap to Sunfire Aegis for the most part. I also do think Aegis is good in like fives or maybe in Clash. You're not really running it in solo queue unless, unless it's that, unless you have like a hyper scaling team. Like, let's say you have a Cassidin and a Vayne and you really need to frontline for that champion, you would run uh, Aegis. You can also run Triforce. Again, Triforce, it's not as good as Divine, but you can run it when you want. And I do think Gore Drinker and Divine are kind of hand-in-hand. Hand. It is preference. If you want Gore, you can go Gore. If you want Divine, you can go Divine. When it comes to Lethality, you can do Dustblade, but I do think Eclipse is better. The only problem with Dustblade is that it is hard to utilize the invis on Vi. You kind of use all your abilities for an engage. Like, yeah, you're invisible, but you can't really go anywhere. So I tend to just run Eclipse. All right. So when do you buy boots on Vi? You're pretty much always buying boots second. You're not getting away from your boots because boots are extremely important. I tend to run CDR boots a lot this season because of her build paths. A lot of the builds, a lot of the items that Vi can build don't really give her as much ability haste as, she, as she'd like. So when I run Eclipse, I'm pretty much running Ionian Boots. But you can also run Swifties. Swifties is an extremely slept on item. It gives her slow resistance, which works really, really well with her Q, as Vi gives herself a 15% slow. MR and Armor Boots are pretty much whenever you need them. Like, after you get your mythic item, you're pretty much rushing boots second, unless you're extremely fed and you don't want to stall out one of your other items. But for the most part, you're buying boots straight away because Vi works really, really well with mobility. Like, one of the runes that I run is Relentless Hunter. And I love to run Relentless because it gives her move speed. 
and being able to move around the map really quickly is extremely important um on junglers but on vice specifically it, it makes your it makes landing q a lot easier having a ton of move speed allows you to charge your q and get to someone a lot quicker which makes you much more of a threat so getting boots uh as early as possible is really nice but don't ever stall out your mythic for boots because your mythic's always more important and then it's your boots all right let's talk about the mid game a little bit you said you're not really looking to invade or even fight the jungler until at least six what about later in the game you would invade on Vice Power Spikes. So Vice Spikes when she gets her Mythic, when she gets her level 6, and when she hits around 20 minutes. Around 20 minutes is really nice for Vi because the game laning phase ends. Vi is decent in laning phase, but she does extremely well past laning phase. The reason she does well into her mid game is because she has her damage items, her Q is fully maxed, and she has her ulti, which... The combination of everything gives her so much damage, so much mobility and lockdown that you can get a lot of picks into the enemy jungle. So at around 20 minutes is when she power spikes really hard. You want to be running sweeper, which is really, really nice for her because it allows you to get picks. And you also want to buy pink wards pretty much on every reset. I'm always setting up vision on choke points and I'm always looking for enemies that are like rotating or caught out. How do you approach that? What are some of the best spots to do that? So a lot of it comes down to the side lanes, right? You want to be hovering side lanes from the river. And if you can set up choke points where river meets, river is a very, very contested area. A lot of supports and a lot of people rotate the river. You want to set up pink wards on the choke points where people enter and exit. And you pretty much want to be camping out there. All right. So how about Dragon? How do you get control over Dragon once it starts being contested? So once Dragon gets contested, this is something that a lot of players struggle with is understanding when to contest objectives. So the first part is you're not contesting Dragon unless your team is actually in a position to contest it. So what that means is you have to look at your team and say, when is my team going to fight? When is my team going to be at their strongest? Is it a late game team? Is it an early game team? That's the first thing you're figuring out. Secondly, it also comes down to turrets. If they have tier one mid and bot turret, it is going to be very hard for you to contest dragon because you won't have as much priority. So you're going to be looking at your team comp and the enemy team comp and saying, okay, are we in a position to fight this? If we are, how are we going to get there? Are we going to push mid and break river? Or are we going to just go straight through the river because we have prior vision control? So it just depends on the certain circumstance that you're in. So if you don't have a good advantage, would you just give up like the second or third dragon? Yes, because those early dragons, they're not super, super important it is better to give one of those objectives rather than go, let's say, face check an enemy team, get completely wiped and lose dragon rather than just lose dragon. So another thing you can do, let's say one of your teammates gets caught and they're going to force dragon 5v4. As a four-man team, you're not going to contest a dragon. Like, unless you're extremely fed, you're not contesting it. So that goes into playing on the opposite side of the map. It's understanding, okay... We're going to lose the bot side of the map. What can we do in the top side of the map? 
you're going to look for turrets, you're going to look for Rift Herald, because for the most part, a lot of players don't prioritize Rift Herald. Rift Herald is an extremely important objective that you can take very quickly, and it can open the map up very, very easily. First and second Rift are extremely important. So when it comes to taking first Rift, you want to get it at around before 14 minutes, which is when the plates drop. And second Rift is extremely good. A lot of people underutilize it, but... Second Rift is really strong because if the enemy team doesn't contest it, it can easily take out three or four turrets. Okay, so how do you set that up? Uh, let's talk about the first Rift Herald first. How do you use it well? So first Rift spawns uh, around eight minutes. It's pretty similar to Dragon for the most part. I have already taken the Dragon by then, and I'm going to be forcing the Rift Herald after that. Again, you have to buy a Pink Ward. You want to set up Vision. Um, you can take it pretty easily. Your W allows you to take it really quickly. But you're going to be, once you get that Rift Herald, you're going to look at your lanes and say, okay, which lane is going to benefit from this the most? If I have a very, very aggressive top laner, let's say I have like a Jax or a, a Camille or I really a top lane. They're very strong late game scaling champions that if they get a lead early, they can take over the game very quickly. So you're looking at which champions can utilize that gold the best early game. So let's say if I have a Lucian. Lucian is a super, super strong uh, bot laner. You're going to want to give him that early gold so he can snowball really, really hard. Awesome. And the second Herald, you said you can take multiple turrets with it. How do you set that up? Yeah. Your second Herald, you're only really using when you've either aced the enemy team or they are contesting an objective on the other side of the map. So let's say your team gets wiped and they're going to do Baron. They're going to send four or five members there, which allows you to take turrets bot side. Let's say the same scenario happens, but they take Dragon instead. You would just use it mid or top lane. It just depends on, uh, it depends on which side of the map you're on and which side of the map the enemy team's contesting. Because th that's the really good thing about Rift. It can... You can pretty much contest any lane that you want with it. So for that second Herald, you're kind of looking to save it for the perfect moment? Yes, you're, you're going to be saving it. You're either going to use it for a team wipe where you ace the enemy team and get like three turrets, or you're going to say, well, we lost the fight and the enemy team's contesting an objective. I'm going to force something on the other side of the map. All right. Finally, let's talk about the late game a bit. As Vi, what's your role in the late game? So as Vi, Vi is not a good late game champion. So your role is to either eliminate high priority targets or start fights by engaging them. Um, Vi gets kited pretty easily and you're not really building that tanky so you can get one shot. So in the late game, you're looking for ADCs and mid laners, right? You're looking for champions that have low mobility and are easy to punish. Or you're looking to start a fight. Let's say your team has no engage, but they're really strong. Like, let's say you have a Vayne or a Kale. You're going to want to engage for them, and you're going to want to absorb as much as possible. So your job, late game, is just to absorb as much pressure in a team fight as you can, which is alting the backline and engaging fights with your Q if you can. Does that mean that you almost always die during those team fights? Yes. As Vi, late game, you are... You're dead. Like, you're just... The way that your kit works, you are fully engaged, 
and you cannot back down. The moment you queue in, you have to go all in. You're pretty much you're you're like the sacrificial lamb, right? You're you're dying for the greater good of your team, for the most part. You're always looking for picks or engaging, but you have to understand that your kit it, it pretty much guarantees that you're gonna die. But you want to do as much as you can before you die. That's your main goal. Okay. Um, when should you do Baron? I hate doing Baron. <laughs> I really hate doing Baron because Vi. Vi's Baron isn't bad, but she doesn't have a lot of ways to secure it. Like, there's a lot of enemy junglers that have, like, insane true damage that late into the game, like Nidalee or Evelyn. So for the most part, you're only contesting Baron when the enemy jungler's dead, or you have a team comp that has a lot of engage and can switch from Baron to the enemy team very quickly. Unless your team is, uh... A very engage heavy comp, you're not really going to be forcing like a straight 5v5, but you you can pretty much always do Baron if the enemy jungler's dead. If the enemy jungler's dead, you should be looking to contest Baron, and it should be pretty easy as long as you have your smite up. If those two conditions are met, you're pretty much never doing Baron. Baron is an objective that is extremely, extremely easy to throw, and yeah. All right. Um... How do you end the game? So ending the game on Vi is... It goes down to the Baron again. It sucks and you don't want to do it, but you're forced into a position of doing it. So there's two, there's two big ways to end the game on Vi. The first way is getting picks, honestly. A lot of the Barons and Dragons that I take are happening because I end up getting a pick somewhere on the map. But for the most part, you're ending the game off of just straight either getting soul... Elder or Baron, once you get those objectives, you're going to force down a lane and you're going to force the enemy to kind of fight you and you're just going to win because you have stat advantage, right? So it's pretty much all objective based. Ending a game is just you have four dragons on the enemy team and you're going to force the enemy team to respond to your push or you have Baron or Elder where if they respond to your push, you're pretty much guaranteed to win the game. Awesome. Um... Finally, taking a bit of a high-level view on the game as a whole, what's the best way to get better at the game? Like, it all really comes down to practice, but one of the things that helped me a lot was VOD reviews. I would pretty much go back on my VODs and figure out what I could do better. But another thing, the biggest thing I think to improve as a player is understand your fundamental flaws. For me, it was a lot of uh, going back to the uh, mental thing. I had really, really poor and weak mental. So it made climbing really, really hard. Like, I'd FF games or like rage quit and leave. And that made the games were just unwillable because I would always get a teammate or something that I hated. And it was just horrible for me. So for me, it was getting over that, that huge weakness that I had as a player. It pretty much stunted me from climbing from Diamond to Challenger. And I got better at it. I no longer rage quit or AFK games, and I, I win a lot more games because of it, because I got over my my initial weakness. So for me, it was it was that. It was figuring out my biggest flaw and doing anything I could to get away from it. So I'd say the first thing is kind of looking at your gameplay as a whole and figuring out what your biggest flaw is, and that's the first step. If you find out what your biggest problem is, that's the first step to improving as a player. From that point onward, it goes down to a lot of mechanical and micro stuff. Um, watching high elo players is really good as well. Like I remember 
I used to watch other junglers play, uh, like in Challenger, like Tarzan. And it helped me a lot watching them play. Getting a different perspective was also really nice to the jungle. Because I see jungle a certain way and it kind of tunnels me a bit. But when I watch other people play and learn about what they do, it kind of opens my mind a lot more to other possibilities. Okay. You said you had quite a significant problem with mentality. How did you get over that? So that was really hard for me. Getting over that took took a long time. It was a lot of it just being patient with me. And I remember just kind of asking myself, what is more important to me? Like this ego that I have for no reason or hitting challenger. And, and for me, it was challenger. I told myself, yeah, I'm done. Like I'm hitting this at all costs. I'm like, I'm going to, to push for it and get better. And it was, it was kind of repeatedly telling myself that in the end, it was all going to be worth it. You know, like it was annoying. Like I went from a person who would type every single game and flame. Like I was really toxic in the past. And, um, I went from that kind of player to a player who just, I mute everyone and I completely focus and emerge myself into the game. So that was the biggest thing for me. I kind of take what other people say. I took it way too seriously before, so I decided I would just mute and then just only focus on the game. So that helped me out a lot. And I mean, I actually recommend that to a lot of people that watch me. A lot of people type way too much in, in League. Like, typing, communicating is good when you're using it for that purpose, for like the game purpose. But for the most part, a lot of people don't know how to use comms properly, so I kind of recommend them just to not use them at all. Like, pings are essential. You have to have pings. But when it comes to all chat and team chat, it's very dependent on you as a player. All, all chat is never needed. You, you do not need all chat. There is no way you could argue that you need all chat. You don't need it. Team chat, you can argue, but it comes down to you as a player. Like if your team really bothers you that much as it did me, just mute them. There's no point. When it comes to pings, pings, you have to have pings in the game. If your team starts repeatedly spamming in you and then it starts to annoy you, then for sure get rid of them. But for the most part, I exclusively communicate on pings and it is, uh, it has done me wonders. I, it allows me to fully focus on the game and I can focus on my, uh, on my play and that's it. Okay. Awesome. Um, last but not least, what's the best Vi skin? Neon Strike Vi. It is her best skin by far. It has like the cleanest animations. It has a insanely good recall and you can put her glasses on. I love the skin. All right, awesome. Dumpa, it's been great to have you here. Thank you so much for all your insight. Where can people find out more about you? So people can see me on twitch.tv slash Um, I also have a YouTube, which is Dumpalol. And if you go to my Twitch, I have a link to my mobile fire guide where people can learn a lot more about her. Bye-bye. Perfect. That concludes this episode of Challenger Insights. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, be sure to follow us on Twitter or join the Discord. The links for both of these will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider sending it to someone who you think would be interested in it as well. Thank you for listening.